Happy Tuesday. Hope you are having a fantastic start to your week and welcome to the fifth episode of season two of Get This Cake Podcast. We are officially halfway through this season and once again, always a huge thank you to all of our listeners. Um, This week, I want to talk about something that's so dear to my heart. And before I get into it, I just want to do a quick little, bear with me, I just want to do a quick little breathing exercise because it's been a stressful past couple of days. So I'm just going to take a few seconds here before we get started with today's topic and just do three deep breaths, three deep inhales, hold for two seconds, and then exhale. So if you want to join along, feel free. And exhale. And inhale. And exhale. And inhale. And exhale. So much better. <laughs> I think it's important that we do check in on our mental health. And I know a lot of you who are listening from Ontario, you're probably starting to feel pretty frustrated and fed up with what the fuck is going on with our government. And um, I think our people have had enough. Our people are not feeling supported. Young individuals... Um, like myself, between the ages of 20 to 30 are getting blamed for the spread of COVID, but yet are not being protected. You know, we are the working class, the working economy and hospitality industry hires a lot of people between the ages of 20 to 30. And yet we don't get paid sick days. You know, there's a lot of wrong things that are happening right now in our province. And this province is, is, keeps kind of Canada together. (laughs) It really does. If there wasn't Ontario, there wouldn't be Canada. And yes, that I don't mean that in an egocentric way, but we supply a lot to the rest of the country. And so um, I just feel when the government fails Ontario, the government feels fails everyone else. And so I think a lot of us are just, we're, we're exhausted. And, um, If anyone else is feeling this way, I know I was like, just know that my DMs are open. You can message me anytime. If you're in the city, if you're in Toronto, you just want to go for a walk and get coffee. Let me know. (laughs) I would definitely be down to join you. So thank you guys for just joining me on that little breathing exercise. And uh, yeah, I um, let's talk about something happy because This week, if there's anything I miss the most, the number one thing, obviously I miss gathering, I miss partying, I miss family, I miss my friends, but travel has been a big part of my life. But yeah, I have always, I have 
always been on the go. I'm just like, go, 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 go. You can never hold me down in one spot for too long. I, I just go insane. And this is probably the longest I've ever gone without traveling. And my whole, you know, love for travel started at a very, very young age. I remember that my first time ever leaving home without any adults or any supervision. I think it was 16 and I, I went to Edmonton and that's not that big of a deal, but I remember going there for a month and that was my very first trip. <laughs> and so after that, I, my whole, the whole rest of my high school and teenage years consumed around saving money for months on end working at part-time jobs just to spend it all on travel and I'm definitely like you know I love to have a good time I love to party but the whole resort thing has never been something that I've been a fan of I know a lot of people have found ways to uh and loopholes to go to like Tulum and um bali and other tropical destinations but i can get drunk and go to a beach in nova scotia <laughs> that was my childhood that was how i was raised it was beaches and alcohol so that's there's, there's nothing new there for me <laughs> and so i'm a very like you know take travel side i think the the other most the biggest thing that brings joy to me in my life is when I'm able to give back and make other people happy. And that's what I hope I always do and, and achieve with this show. But it's what I do with all my work and anything that I create, whether it's my poetry, the show, or any experiences. And life is all about the human experience and how we all interact with one another. And coming from a place that was so small-minded and very content the exposure to the outside world was so limited and there's so much history and art and fashion and food and language and culture around this world that that i've yet to see and then i remember uh, probably one of the biggest trips I've ever done. Um, I, I ended up seeing 13 countries. No, 12. I ended up seeing 12 countries in one trip. And I remember I saved up a ton of money when I was, uh, I, I was 19 years old. I saved up a shit ton of money and I just backpacked throughout Europe. And, you know, I've been to other places other than Europe. You know, I've been to the States. I, I also have been down south. I've been to Oaxaca and uh, Mexico, which is on the West Coast, um, about an hour flight away from Guatemala. Um, but most of my travel has been within Europe. And I want to share some stories about that trip because the trip changed me. <laughs> I had other opportunities to go to other places um, and I didn't go and I think definitely looking back now where we take things for granted it's something that I don't think I could ever do again is take time to explore and see and travel I can't take that shit for granted ever again uh, the first time I took it for granted was out of fear and uncertainty. I was 18 
when I started my very first business as a self-employed ESL tutor. And that came from a place where I already had experience working with international students. I used to volunteer for this program called Nova Scotia International Student Program. And so basically you would be an ambassador and like a mediator between international students coming to Canada uh, for the first time um, and making sure that they had the courses that they needed in school to whether they were there for just one semester or for a year. And that their homestay families were appropriate and safe. And that they were also getting socialization within the community and being involved in their community to help with homesickness and culture shock. And so I was doing this program and it was offered at a bunch of different schools. And I definitely was, I did it for all three years of high school um, for my for my high school. And so I already had that experience and just, I never, I went into it because I wanted to volunteer and I need a volunteer experience. Um, and it ended up being so rewarding. And I ended up making these long lasting friendships. And so I was like, all right, I already feel comfortable with this. And so I wanted, I've always been a hustler and entrepreneur and I was, you know, it wasn't about money for me, but it was at the same time, I had the business mindset for at a very early age. And so I realized a lot of my students, a couple students and some people that I met through them who were also international students uh, were struggling big time with English. Um, majority of the ones that I had that were struggling the most, I had students from Korea as well as China. And I had a couple students from Germany, Italy, um, and Brazil, and Mexico, um, and Belgium. Um, oh my goodness, the list goes on. But I ended up just putting out these ads on Kijiji um, for other students in the province that I didn't know. And I would meet with them for an hour twice a week uh, or three times a week, depending on how much support that they needed. And I charged 20 bucks an hour and I would get to know each student's individual needs. So some needed more help with reading and writing some needed more help with grammar some needed help with um speech so everyone was at a different level and so i would use different tools um such as like newspapers and audio um and any resource i could to assist um each individual student and in the process of me getting to know them on a very personal level based on where their level of English was at, a lot of my Korean students ended up also teaching me Korean or Hangul. And I was fascinated. I tried to learn Mandarin, which was very, very, very hard with the five tones. And then Cantonese was a whole other division of difficulties for me. And then I, I tried to learn Japanese, but that follows two different grammar rules and that got complicated. But I found out of all the Asian languages I was being exposed to from my students, Korean was probably the easiest for enunciation as a Latin or English-based speaker. And the writing of the characters were probably the easiest I found to read. And because of just the overall interest and exposure from my friends through my volunteer experience, um, I started to just study it on my own. 
And so I looked into um, English teachers abroad in Seoul or Busan and what those options would look like. And I never went and I, I, I didn't go. And so to this day, when I look back now in this pandemic, I definitely regret that. Uh, the second time I had an opportunity to go teach English in another like uh, in another country um, was I then ended up doing another program. I was a, the marketing vice president for an organization called Isaac, which was a nonprofit uh, organization promoted by the UN. And so their whole thing was to be youth empowered for youth um, to contribute to the 2030 sustainability goals um, that were released in 2015. And so it was all things to do with, you know, education for girls, um, clean water, um, investment into the arts, uh, infrastructure. The list kind of just went on on things to make this place a better world to live in. And all things that each nation would have to agree upon to fulfill, to make this world sustainable by 2030. And that was like right up my fucking alley. I was like, sign me up. And I had another opportunity through that program to go to Hungary to do what I wanted to do in Korea. And I was like, all right, this time, this time I'm going to do it. I quit my job. I found a better job. I saved a ton of money. Uh, and I ended up getting into a relationship. And I was like, okay, well, I either go and go on this trip or I stay and make a relationship work. <laughs> and that was probably the bit, the dumbest thing I've ever done. So, you know... I'm thankful that I did have other opportunities to travel, like going to Europe. And I got to tell you guys the story. So I've had some fantastic moments that changed my life. I know that sounds pretentious, but they were. You had to be there. But I've also had some really shitty moments that in the time were shitty, but I think they're so funny to think about now. So I did basically, if you guys ever heard of this company called Kentucky, um, they're, I should just get paid to do an advertisement for them. They're a fantastic tour company for anyone from the ages of 18 to 30. And they have different ways that you can travel with their program. So you can do like uh, a high energy program. So you just go to city, party, city, party, on the bus, city, party. Um, there's like a meme from Lady Gaga, I'm sure that has circled around the internet where she's like, we get on the bus, then we go to the club, then the next club, no sleep, club. Um, that's basically Kentucky in a nutshell. But then there's another option, which is like a little bit toned down where you do like you spend some time, um, eat like enough time, like two or three days in each city. They book your hotels and your uh, hostels for you. 
they will might do like a few group activities like they might pre-book your tickets for certain museums or tourist attractions and then you also have free time to just do whatever the fuck you want and they take care of some of your dinners and whatnot and so it's a good mixture of like having it organized and pre-arranged and also lots of free time to go off away from the group and just do whatever and so when i did my whole trip i started off I did a whole circle. So if you have a, like a map of Europe handy, I don't you do if you're listening to this right now. But I started in, in the UK not to actually travel, but because it was the closest part of Europe for me to fly to at the cheapest price. I got to Gatwick Airport and then I was going to get a small, you know, discount flight because they're known for discounted travel. Um, budget airlines, I should say to Spain and I started from Spain to France to Italy from Italy to Austria to Prague to Germany Holland and then from Holland to Belgium to Belgium to France France to the UK and in between some of these parts I was going off completely away from the tour and doing my own thing I wanted to travel in Spain before the tour started just to you know, have some me time. And then when the tour ended, I still was in the UK without the tour group and just meeting up with friends. So it was perfect. It was best of both worlds. I planned the best trip ever. I was so proud of myself. I remember I told people on like last minute notice. I think I told people like literally three weeks before I left and I booked it and fucking left. So here I am. Never really left the country before. And the very first time I decided to leave the country is to go to 12 other countries. <laughs> so I thought it was brilliant to just get a round trip in London. So basically the dates would be the date that my tour would be done. My you know European tour would be done. And basically I would just get a one way from London to Barcelona that's where I was in Spain um on the day that I wanted to get to Barcelona so I booked the uh a round ticket with WestJet and then a one-way ticket from Gatwick airport uh to Barcelona with a company called Iberia Airlines I wish I had like a sound effect like like a warning disclaimer do not ever book with Iberia. So we're going to get here. Okay. So I'm ready to go. My suitcase is packed. I get dropped off. Say my goodbyes. Hope I don't die on the plane. la da 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 My very, very first stop on the way to London is in a St. John's, Newfoundland. Shout out to St. John's. And I kid you not, this airport is a fucking hallway they didn't even have a real tim hortons it was like a convenience store that happened to sell double doubles like there like guys this was a hallway and i had to stay there for five hours so you can imagine with an airport that's small people are all around you waiting there was a baby crying for probably three hours out of the five that I had to wait I just try to read a book and listen to music and 
Yeah. Eventually, nighttime falls around. It's around 10 o'clock at this point. And my flight, overnight flight to London is boarded. And it's a bigger jet that we get on, a bigger plane. Uh, It's one of those ones with the three-seater. So three people per row. Now, gosh, travel during COVID is so much better where you have a space where there's no one that has to sit in the middle to be six feet apart. Buddy, this did not exist then. So I am sitting, I had, my seat was in the middle. The flight was fully booked. There was no way I could change it. One side of me is a very petite lady, very, very skinny. I was like scared if I leaned too much on her side, it would crush her. The guy on the left side of me was this older gentleman, probably mid 60s, wearing a leather jacket. He smelled like he smoked three packs of cigarettes before boarding this plane. I fucking kid you not. Snored like a motherfucker. Okay. I put my headphones in. I still can hear him. I had to take my hat, which was this cute little fedora, my vacation hat, if you will. I had to put it over my face like a fucking face mask because this guy smelled so bad. And remember that baby that was crying at St. John's Terminal? Yeah, that baby was on my flight, guys. This baby was behind my seat. So... (laughs) That was my flight to London. I get to Gatwick and this airport is massive. There's a north terminal and a south terminal and you have to take the tube to get to one side to the other. I mean, it's not as big as Heathrow, but it's still bigger than what I've ever been exposed to. And I had to board my flight uh, to Spain with Iberia at nine o'clock, I believe. And it was eight. So I had an hour to get to my gate. Uh, I'm scurrying around. I grab my uh, luggage. I go through security. I ask, where is Iberia? I get there just in time. There's a lineup for the check-in. There's a couple police dogs walking around the airport too. So anxiety is like full blown. I'm like, I literally just made it here just in time for this domestic flight to Spain. And I get to the counter. I'm like, hey, I'm ready to check in. And they look at my ticket. They're like, actually, ma'am, like your flight's a little early and this is the wrong terminal for you. You have to go to a different one in the south terminal. They turn me away. They tell me I'm early. I don't know how they said I was early. I had an hour and an hour is probably the time that you should be at an airport for a domestic flight. So I turn around, I guess, and I went to the terminal she told me to go to. So go go back on the tube. I go all the way back to the south end and I go where I was told to go. I get there and the help desk says to me, actually, this flight is pushed to 12 o'clock. So from what I understood is that it was supposed to deport, uh, the, my flight was supposed to leave at 9 a.m. And now it's delayed till 12. So I was like, okay, you know what? That's not bad. I'm fucking hungry. Let me get an overpriced airport sandwich in a newspaper and a coffee and just charge my phone call my family, tell them I'm at least in London and that I'm safe. And I go back to where I had to be early and on time and it's still delayed. 
So I asked someone else. They say, yep, nope, you got delayed again till two o'clock. Two o'clock rolls around and they said, this should be leaving soon. We will do a checkout for Iceland Air first. And then after that, it will change directly to um, Iberia Airlines. So eventually there's a bit of a lineup at this terminal. Iceland Air does their flight first. And they're taking their sweet old time. 45 minutes pass and I see other people that are just kind of waiting around they're waiting for Iberia as well so I don't feel so alone at this point it is three o'clock in the afternoon and I uh it's still this still didn't change to Iberia so I wait around a little bit longer like this flight is fucking delayed so I eventually, you know, 4.30 rolls around. I've been here since 8, guys. I've been here since 8 a.m. And I didn't sleep on the plane to get there because of the guy that smelled like cigarettes next to me. So I, at this point, it's approaching 12 hours of me traveling. I left Halifax at, you know, 4 p.m. the day before. It's now, you know, past 4 the next day. So I go up to them and said, this is absolutely ridiculous. Can you please look into this a little bit further? And I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry to admit I did have to pull a Karen, like, let me speak to your manager moment. But this was insanity. And so they look at it a little bit more. And they say, ma'am. <laughs> um, yeah, so your flight actually... Uh, got canceled. Um, did you receive an email about your cancellation? I panicked. My heart dropped. I like looked through all my emails. I checked my Gmail like junk folder. No notification of a cancellation. I checked to see if I received any text messages from the airline. No notice of cancellation. They're like, yeah, the next flight to Iberia that we can fit you on is at 10 o'clock um, tonight. Sorry, at uh, sorry. Yes, at 10 o'clock tonight. And so I was like, look, I've been traveling for 12 hours. I have paid for a whole hostel that I was supposed to check in at 12 o'clock this like lunchtime. It is now 4.30. You're telling me that this is all going to go to waste, not compensated, no notification of a cancellation. And on top of that, he also said I had to pay $300 Canadian to get, even get on this flight. And I fought it. I refused. I said, this is Gatwick. It is an international airline, an uh, international airport. Flights going in and out to Spain all the time. I said, when is your next flight to Spain? Because I know it's not 10 o'clock at night. And I managed to get them to put me on a 7.30 flight for free. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, finally, I'm leaving Gatwick. So I ended up, I don't know how, I mean, when I think about it today, it sounds creepy, but it was also the nicest experience. I ended up meeting this really, really old, like single dad and his son who were also trying to fly back to Barcelona and they were going to this, going through the same thing. And so I um, just started chatting with them, told them my experience. They said that 
this can happen with these budget airlines and they're, you know, infamous for last minute cancellations. But that's why you get the flight for so cheap. I only paid $100 for this flight. So <laughs> finally get on the plane. They're very, very nice. They're asking, you know, which hostel I'm staying at. Once again, this could have been full on stranger danger, but I, I felt okay. I felt safe. Uh, the single dad's girlfriend was there to pick him up as well as the mother of his uh, child. We're both going to be there. So new woman plus old woman were both at the airport. And he's like, hey, we, we landed. By the time we got to uh, Barcelona, it was almost 10 uh, p.m. And they were just they felt bad for me. This poor, like stranded Canadian girl with all my luggage. So they gave me a free drive to um to my hostel and generator hostel by the way shout out to generator they are elite and i was just i was such on an adrenaline rush from the day and i was so upset that so much of my very very first day in spain was wasted so i um I get into my hostel, it's a mixed dorm room, I put my suitcase away, lock everything up, and hop in the shower very quickly, get changed into the cutest little sundress that I could find, and I go down to the bar, and I ended up getting a $2 glass of red wine, and I've met this French guy, His I will keep his name anonymous, but I met this lovely French guy and we were speaking in French together and he bought me a couple more glasses of wine and I said, I am in a mood for an adventure. Let's go explore. And uh, there is this main strip, there's this main main um, street, it's called La, La, La Rumba. And that's where like all the nightclubs are. Now it's starting to get pretty late. And for some reason, the nightclubs in Barcelona were only open until 2 a.m., which is really rare for the rest of Europe. Um, but they closed really, really early there. So we were having a hard time trying to find a place to go. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I just want to go to the ocean. I just want to experience the beach. I felt rebellious. I was like mentally, I was exhausted from, you know, it ended up being 30 hours of traveling at this point. So I, uh, he's like, you know what? Sure. So we go, we go to the beach and I had some essentials packed with me and my purse and I had some essentials packed and locked away into my suitcase. So I don't know what went over my head. Maybe it was just old school. Maybe it was just the time. But I decided to take, I budgeted out how much money I wanted to spend. I was super good with budgets back then, guys. Oh my God. I wish I was that good now. I can't save my money for shit. But at that time, I was just very anal about every little detail because I knew I this was going to be a huge trip so I budgeted out how much I wanted to spend each day on food and like stuff that I needed and like drinks and you know souvenirs and stuff like that and I made sure that I took enough money out to have for each day and I took it all out in euros and I had quite a bit of money like 
hundreds and hundreds of dollars, let's say, um, in this Ziploc bag locked up in my suitcase. I also had my passport in my suitcase, thank goodness. And I had my phone. I didn't take my phone because I didn't trust myself. I thought I was going to lose it. I left my phone in um, my suitcase as well. And this was like at a time where like Instagram wasn't even that big yet. So like there was no need for me to snap (laughs) photos every two seconds the way I do now. But in my purse, I had a MicroCore's wallet. I had all my Nova Scotian ID. I had a couple pounds. I had a new MAC lipstick and I had a new camera. And I go to the beach with this guy and I put my purse down for the slightest second to tie up my hair where we we're going to, we were going to go jump in the water. I look down, my fucking purse is gone. I like looked inside my eye. I kind of see two people run, but I can't see where they left. And I am panicking. I also was a dumbass, didn't do my research, and didn't realize Spanish is was not, fun fact, the first language of Barcelona. It's actually Catalan. So we were trying to ask some local people on the beach, you know, did you see anyone with a purse? They're not understanding us. I thought, okay, maybe, you know, we're an eight-hour drive to the French border. Maybe someone here might even speak French. No luck. We find the police. They could not even understand what we were trying to ask. The best, all the information we got of them was the police station and the address to the police station. We searched in the park. We thought maybe they would take the items out of the purse and maybe just discard the purse because the inside was designer, but the purse itself wasn't. It was just like a purse from Aldo. And we look around this park that's behind the beach can't find nothing these guys are long gone i'm literally kidding you not my very first hour like my first fucking hour of my trip i get robbed and the next day so i i you know we just go back to the hostel he's like hey the least i can do for you is walk you back to your hotel room like he felt so bad and turns out guys the thing about hostels is that you can get like mixed dorm rooms of guys and girls and that didn't bother me too much because everyone who stays in a hostel is literally there for the same reason as you is to travel and get drunk and so no one actually ever stays in the room more than like the few hours of sleep that they need for the next day and to quickly shower and then you're gone no one just hangs out in the hostel so He's walking me back to my room and turns out he is one of my roommates of my hostel. (laughs) So the next day we go for breakfast and um, we go figure out where this uh, police station is. And they struggled so badly with trying to understand us. But the one thing they were able to communicate was this is probably useless of of their time and this happens on a daily basis and that chances are of them finding my stuff was next to none so they got me to write my own police report 
But the English translation of the questions didn't even like, it didn't even line up to anything that made sense. So I tried my best to fill it out. Anyways, at the end of the day, did not get my stuff. <laughs> didn't have a proper police report for my travel insurance for them to claim it. And fast forward to over a month later of traveling throughout Europe, I find out that they maxed out my credit cards. So that was probably like the worst experience ever of traveling. And now I look back on it. I didn't. It's just materials at the end of the day to me. Materials that were replaceable. I still had my phone. I still had my cash. And I still had my passport, which really was all I needed. And so it was definitely a memory that I will never forget, even though it sounds like the worst day ever. But I, it's little, even the bad things of traveling that you take for granted when someone tells you you can't do shit, you can't leave your house unless it's for essential needs. So that's definitely one of my travel stories I want to share with you guys. Um, some of my favorite moments I definitely might have to do. I might, you know what? I think I might do a part two of this episode because this the stories go on forever. But I would definitely say Italy was my absolute favorite memory of that whole trip. And... I think we will discuss all of my favorite memories in part two. So I hope you guys enjoyed that chaotic story. Remember, don't take shit for granted. Just don't. Um, and be smart about your travel. When we are able to travel again, let's just be a little bit smarter. I think one thing that you, when we're on the conversation of taking things for granted is fashion trends and how highly we're influenced on fashion trends because you know what would have saved my ass that day was a fanny pack because it's strapped to your body fanny packs were in fashion back then so afraid to wear fanny packs i thought i was going to be made fun of so being more mature now looking back i will definitely be more prepared I will do a part two to this episode coming up in the next couple of weeks for some of my favorite moments, uh, some more funny stories of boat travel because I wanted to share them with you. And remember, you can have your cake and you can eat it too.